Testament, the conversation of suffering for the gospel, suffering as a disciple of Christ, is like at least once every five chapters. Yeah, it, it is up. everywhere. You it's know. everywhere. It's everywhere, yeah. But we, we kind of skip over those parts because for cultural Christianity, we want Christianity to supplement our goals. Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah. yeah. Rather than seeing our, our whole lives as a loss if it's not in Christ. This is Pastor John. This is Pastor Tim. And this is Every Moment His, a podcast devoted to taking a look at how the sermon impacts our everyday life. So, how are you doing, Pastor Tim? I'm good. I'm good. We got a little bit more feedback that people want their dad jokes. It is Father's Day coming up. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, as people hear this, it will be, it will have been Father's Day, correct? That's right. So, they had their Father's Day nap. They maybe went golfing. Golfing. After after thing. they listen to God's word, yeah. Um, do you have any Father's Day jokes or jokes I'm, on the top of your head? I'm fresh out, man. Yeah, I I heard a good, pretty good one uh, recently. Um, I slept like a log last night, and then I woke up in the fireplace. <laughs> I'm not impressed. <laughs> you don't like that? No. <laughs> That's just a good. Nope. nope. It's like a softball Sorry. joke, you know. Not so much. Low fruit. I didn't really like that 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 much <laughs> sorry to be honest <laughs> but, uh, how, how about um no let's just stop. <laughs> one more you know but i did like your sermon so let's go I, I let's, you're all business today man <laughs> sorry <laughs> just trying to be like a dad here. all right all right let's get to, let's get to it <laughs> you know in your sermon though you mentioned the the wind knocking your trees over yeah that's I did feel real. some compassion. I felt some splugnids on my down in my guts for you because, Good. you know, I had the same thing happen with my tomatoes. This was a couple of weeks ago. It was like crazy windy all day, and I went out. And like 95 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. That's Nebraska, right? It's weird. And, well, there's no trees in Nebraska, nothing to stop the wind. And so, so I went out, and uh, I saw my tomato plants, and they were like in sad shape. Like they were like flat on the ground, and so... I tried to get these stakes and I zip tied them. Yep. <laughs> and they're doing okay now, but because they were somewhat rooted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have to get new trees? No. Um, they were just kind of crooked. You know, they weren't mm. completely over, but I just realized how weak they were. You did uh, like a chiropractor job on them. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, really. Actually, I used uh, those like ratchet straps to kind of straighten nice. one back out. Um, so, yeah, th- they're they're pretty solid now, but they were definitely. Um, definitely sideways after the, that strong wind. So since I'm all business here today, Pastor Tim, give me a summary of your, your sum, uh, sermon. Yeah, so the sermon is really looking at Matthew 10, uh, Jesus sending out his uh, disciples, or his apostles. Um, and on first blush, uh, when you read it, it sounds kind of ominous. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, Um but then you look into it, as you look into it more, you see uh, that he is telling his disciples that they will suffer, but they're going to suffer in the same way that he does, mm-hmm. which is a suffering for love. You know, it's a suffering for yeah. rescue. Um, and so do you want to read it there? Sure. Yeah. And, and so, and this is where we get straight up Jesus, right? I mean, I'm guessing that Hallmark would not make a lot of money if they made greeting cards that had the following verses or right. like motivational posters that said <laughs> chapter 10, verse 16, behold, 
I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Yeah, uh, because I love men that. will persecute you. Uh, that'd be an interesting motivational poster if you had like some sheep and then some like howling wolves on the outside with like a moon too. Yeah. And then that verse. I'd yeah. put that on my wall. That'd be interesting. Do you know when when I was uh, graduating from the seminary at commencement, there was a, a pastor who was uh, preaching for us, of course, you know, district president. I can't remember who it was. But he he gave this long example <laughs> of, uh, uh, you know what fainting goats are? Heard of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you make a loud noise, they, just they, drop. they fall over. Yeah. And he told us that that was actually... Um, that bred into him as a characteristic that they bred into the goats. Can you, can you guess why? So they could like play possum or something? Pretty much. So they would put the goats in with the sheep. The sheep were more valuable. Okay. And then if there was something coming, like say a wolf was coming to, to nibble on a sheep, the, the shepherds would actually sacrifice the goat by scaring it. And the Ah. goat would fall over and take Mm. the fall and feed the feed the wolves and the sheep would get away wow and so he (laughs) he built this up for this whole sermon then he told us this story and he told us that we were the goats (laughs) (laughs) you're the goats that's what you're doing man (laughs) and so okay um, yeah (laughs) well how about this one um so everyone who acknowledges me before men i will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That's uh, Matthew ten thirty two and thirty three. Yeah, and this is a, this is actually I thought this was a very stern conclusion mm-hmm. to his conversation it, because it puts us in that future position of judgment, you know, standing before God on the last day. Yeah, and and have we confessed Christ before men or in on the earth? Were we ashamed of our confession? Of yeah, God? like what did you have to say about Jesus, not just privately, but publicly before yeah. the world, even if it costs you something? And I think that's going to get into a little bit later of our conversation on uh, nominal or cultural Christianity. Right. But, uh, before we do, I wanted to just talk a little bit about this word that you brought up in the sermon, and it's that word enough. Mm hmm. We see that that's probably a meme or a motivational poster, like you are enough. Right. And, you know, I want to kind of take that apart a little bit. Uh, You were using it in the context of like even people who deny God or who are running away from God, they are on that treadmill of enough trying to be the best parent, trying to be the best in their job, trying to be busy, trying to just earn that enoughness. It might be a political enoughness, a social media enoughness. Uh, and everybody's going after that. And so much of the craziness that we see and experience kind of has to do with that enoughness. And I will see people kind of blanketly say, I am enough or you are enough. And it's really not based on anything yeah. sometimes. And it's almost like, who are you reacting against? Who, like who, who yeah. is saying that you're not enough? Right. You know? I mean, I, I think it's this consequence <laughs> that, um, you know, even though the religious West is getting less regularly religious as in they're going to church. They're actually just as religious. They just Mm -hmm. have shifted their piety, you know? And so they're, they're seeking this feeling of enoughness that is such a common human experience that we're all just, we, we, we feel like we're not enough. 
Uh, and, and it's because we're not, right? We, we know at some level we don't measure up to yeah. some standard that we're all playing by that same standard. Yeah, and that standard is, I think deep down we know it's God's standard, but then we also have the standards we create for ourselves mm-hmm. or that other people create for themselves. And I see this kind of in, in popular media and books. So, for example, uh, there's a really popular book uh, called Girl, Stop Apologizing. And I think that it's kind of this idea that, like, you're enough, so just stop apologizing. And I've listened to some leadership books that kind of, you know, give that thought. And the reason I want to go into that a little bit is because, um, well, we all have this experience of kind of running on the treadmill of enoughness, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Career. Having it up to 11, by the way. Was that a reference to the movie Spinal Tap? <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> Have think. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. Okay. Um, well, the, it's the scene where they have the amplifiers, uh, these guitar amplifiers, and they're like these British 80s rock guys. And and he's like, well, this <laughs> great scene. He says, this amplifier, see, most of them go up to 10, but this one goes up to 11. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so that's why it's become kind of Just a, one extra. One extra, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, we have this sense of enough and mm-hmm. uh, we're r- like striving to prove through that means that that we are enough. And so we're, you know, we do, you know, you see people who are so busy that they're like almost going blind. <laughs> you know, they can't think yeah. straight. And it's a competition because it's like, you know, I need to prove that I'm enough through my work. Mm-hmm. I need to prove that I'm enough through my parenting, I'm a better mom or a better dad, um, all these things. And I think how it related to your sermon was you're talking about how, you know, God's trying to catch up with you to kind of deliver you this notice that you're not enough, but he's enough. And that that made me think of a biblical word. See, we kind of take biblical words, we might not use them anymore, but they come out in different ways. And mm-hmm. that word is justified, mm-hmm. justification. Because to be justified through faith in Jesus Christ is when God looks at you and says, you know, you're not enough. You haven't kept my law. You haven't loved me with your whole heart. You haven't loved your neighbor as yourself. But because of my son, Jesus Christ, who is enough, when you are in him, you are enough. You get my thumbs up, my approval, and it has nothing to do with running on that treadmill. Right. And and I think, you know, Jesus says, I'm sending the apostles out into hostile territory, like, yeah. you know, sheep in front of wolves. And there's going to be all kinds of hostilities. They'll, they'll drag you into courts. Um, they'll beat you, you know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll despise you, they'll malign you. And the question is why, you know, why do we, mal- why does the world or the unbelieving world malign the witness of Christ? And I think part of it is because, you know, the gospel comes up behind us and says, you're never going to be enough. But Jesus is. Yeah, I mean. So get off the treadmill. Right, right. right. So <laughs> yeah. it, it begs us to see uh-huh. the reality yeah. that you're never going to achieve what you're hoping to by by this insanity you're pushing yourself through. You know, and, and, and it's offensive. Yeah, it is uh, because we want to be take the credit, right? Yeah, um, and we want that work to mean something. We don't want to take the blame, but we also want to take the credit. You know, that's yeah. the way that we're kind of wired as as broken, sinful humans. But uh, you know, one thing I took from your sermon is that is that when God declares us to be enough, when He cancels our debt, when He says you don't have to be on that treadmill anymore because my love for you is not conditioned on 
you proving yourself as a parent or whatever, or uh, or proving yourself in your work or your Instagram posts. Yeah. Uh, you know, when God does that, he actually gives you the leverage to, to be persecuted, to lose things. Because, you know, when Jesus says, confess me before men, you're going to be persecuted. You might lose things. In fact, you almost certainly will lose something for the gospel. That could become just another treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. Like it could become this treadmill of I got to confess my faith. I got to be a good Christian. I got to prove myself. I have to just really, you know, deny myself. I have to take up my cross. That could just become another treadmill we're running. And Christians do this all the time. But when you recognize that God's acceptance of you has nothing to do with your performance, but all with Jesus Christ, then it actually allows you to risk everything, right? Because you know what? I'm going to throw myself hard into this living for Jesus thing because if people reject me, I still have, I'm enough in Christ. Yeah. And, and we're called into that risking, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the picture is, you know, Jesus was sent by the father into this hostile territory, knowing full well that people were going to reject this offer of reconciliation and and murder him. Mm -hmm. And he still said, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I know that lots of people are going to reject me. I know, but I know that some people will hear and be and believe. Mm-hmm. And it's for them that my heart is poured out for. And so in a similar pattern, you know, a cross-shaped pattern, he sends apostles, but he also sends us as Christians yep. into our world to have this reconciliation message, which is not uh run faster on the treadmill of enough. It's mm-hmm. Instead, it's, yeah, I was trying to do that too, and I just, it wrecked me. And God caught up with me, showed me how broken I was, and then restored me through the perfect, completed work of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. And so, we, yeah, we then are sent out with that message, which is going to be polarizing. Some people are going to say, yeah, it is. no way, you know, stop. Why are you harshing on my efforts? Yeah, right. You know? Right, right. Um and then others are going to say, yeah, you're right. You know, this isn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if I keep this up, I'm going to have a heart attack or I'm going to lose everything. And I've need, I need rescue. And I this is rest, where the gospel, right? yeah, I need, yeah. I need Sabbath and I need rest. And I, and that's where the gospel makes so much sense. It says, yeah. You know, I think of that word, you know, justified, but Jesus on the cross, he said, you know, to tell us die, right? I, it is finished. It's finished, yeah. Like done. the work is complete, so come and rest. Um, and when we get, when we grasp that we can rest in Jesus, um, yeah, we can go out and bring that rest. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you guys can get off your treadmills. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you're you're not going to love your neighbor, but you don't have to try to prove yourself to God anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, God, God will make you enough. Yeah. I even see that, and you mentioned this in your sermon, I see this sort of in social media as we're experiencing so many polarizing things going on. And this is going to just continue into the 2020 election yeah. that you know people are, are really trying to justify themselves on social media with their posts and saying, hey, I'm, I'm right and- um, I'm involved. I'm involved. And, and it is interesting because you know, with you know, Luther says that, you know, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Mm-hmm. And he even says that sometimes we'll use our good works, our striving for enoughness, 
will use that, you know, without any care for people. Like people mm-hmm. will be devoted to all kinds of things. People will even be devoted to like some social justice causes, not out of real love for people, but because they're trying to justify themselves as yeah. righteous. And the Christian has a better way because the Christian is able to, I'm no longer on the treadmill. I'm not running on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, in order to achieve something or look a certain way, but rather being set free in Christ, I'm not really focusing on myself. I'm focusing on my neighbor. Yeah. Uh, so it becomes less of a the Pharisees like to parade their deeds, right? Yeah. Uh, versus I'm going to love my neighbor when nobody sees it. Exactly. And and I'll get no reward except for the reward that God gives to me on the last day. You know. Yeah, so. and this is... This is what Jesus is all on about. It's like, you know, the Pharisees, they love to do their good works before men and get praised. And mm. he says, I tell you the truth, they've already got their reward. Got your reward. Yeah. 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 And, and yet do your, you know, do your good deeds in secret before your Father in heaven. This is why, yeah. you know, St. Peter says true religion is loving the orphan and the widow mm-hmm. who can't pay you back. You know, yeah. who can't, who don't, no one cares if you did that. And, and this doesn't mean that we don't, you know speak out this doesn't mean that we don't take a stance on things but Mm -hmm. but we're always checking our motives and we recognize that there's a part of us that like always wants to be praised and there's a part of us that wants to shy away from that it's the whole mix of being a saint and sinner Mm -hmm. so um now i want to move in a little bit to this question of nominal christianity because you were talking about you know like people kind of being on the fence and and by the way, as we talk about this, if if you're listening and you're kind of on the fence, like you're like you know, I got one foot in church and one foot out. I'm not really sure if I'm a Christian. I got these questions. Like, please like note the compassion here because like if you aren't really sure if you're a Christian, if you're kind of like I grew up in the church and my parents go, but I'm not really in it, only occasionally, then then man like go deep into those questions, reach out to your pastors. Like we'd love to have those conversations because we thrive on those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit working too. Is yeah, like when you, that's when the you Holy have Spirit that stirring. Mm-hmm. You don't um, want to miss that. But I, I do want to talk about this whole question of nominal Christianity or cultural Christianity, which I think that in our experience, this is maybe more of a thing in Nebraska. And, and, and here's the thing, like you get some... I mean, it, it, there's there's pros and cons, right? Like you were in Thunder Bay, Canada. Yeah. I was in Connecticut, and things were a little bit more secular there. Like, you know, Christianity wasn't really welcomed into the the public discourse. It was kind of more like you do that in your corner and leave us alone. Yeah, at least not biblical Christianity. Yeah, at least not was, biblical, yeah. true Orthodox Christianity. And but here in Nebraska, you know, it, I love that you know that we are more open to to faith. That, yeah. that it's not, um, like, for example, um, it, it's just, there's kind of a consensus that faith is, is a good thing. Yeah. It's a benefit. It's thing. important. Yeah. Most people are comfortable talking about where they go to church. Right. And but they want you to know that, too, <clears throat> actually. The thing that gets tricky is that you, the lines begin to blur between what it means to be a Christian and not be a Christian. Yeah. And so we have this kind of cultural Christianity, this nominal Christianity where everybody's a Christian. Sure. Because everybody's baptized, because everybody's some kind of a member of a church somewhere, or at least they have a, an attachment. Or at least they have the the outward morals. Yeah, the outward morals, like we'd agree on tradition. these things, traditions. Yeah. And, you know, while there is some good to that, uh, there is also some danger because... Because we may, 
lower our standards, we may kind of develop this Christianity where it doesn't cost anybody anything. And, mm-hmm. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, called this cheap grace. Right. Because he was dealing with that in Germany, where everybody was a Lutheran, right? Yeah, by state order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, the confusion that causes. Yeah, and, and so I think that we have that challenge here, Yeah. where, and it's a great challenge, we're both going to, you know, take that challenge on in a winsome, gracious way. But, you know, my deepest prayer is I just want to see people who who think they might be Christian, but they're not, truly become Christian. Um, yeah. That's that's what we want, right? Yeah. Um, the, I, and I think, you know, you and I are probably similar in that. Like, I went to a Lutheran church, Lutheran grade school, mm-hmm. but most of my friends who went to Lutheran grade school with me are not uh, Christians. And they would vocally say they're not Christian? They would. Okay. M- many of them would, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not. Um, but there's this, we, we've lived through this kind of like fallout. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And so I think the roots of that fallout were sown, um, you know, a few generations back. The seeds were sown. So it's right. like when, yeah, we, we, we've created a culture where we kind of acknowledge God's word, but we don't live by it. It doesn't change mm-hmm. our hearts. It doesn't break us down. And I think for this sermon in particular, the aspect of that is, you know, if we have a Christianity that we're not willing to suffer for, right? that yeah. when there's any pressure from the outside world or from our, our inside world, our social settings, we're going to buckle or we're going to redefine our faith yeah, mm-hmm. so that it's easier. And we're going to end up denying uh the Christ who bought us because we're ashamed of some of his words. Mm-hmm. And here we have a very straightforward, you know, if you are ashamed of me, um, I will be ashamed of you. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't confess me, I won't confess you. And so I think that's a bit of a curveball for people as they listen to that. And Jesus even says, go and suffer, go and, and uh, get dragged into court. So he says, persevere until the end and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, only the one who perseveres to the end who will yeah. be saved. Yeah, right. And so I think there's this cultural Christianity that doesn't really have a category for this. And we were talking about this earlier, that in the New Testament, the conversation of suffering for the gospel, suffering as a disciple of Christ, mm-hmm. is like at least once every five chapters. Yeah, it, it is up. everywhere. You it's know. everywhere. It's everywhere, yeah. But we, we kind of skip over those parts mm-hmm. because for cultural Christianity— we want Christianity to supplement our goals. Yeah, there it is right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than seeing our, our whole lives as a loss if it's not in Christ and mm. being willing to, what do you want, Jesus? You want my TV? You know, you want, you want my new, new shoes? You want anything you want. You can take anything you want from me because what you have given to me is eternal life and the gospel and life and love, all this. We see that treasure. And so this earthly domain, all of it is his. And all of it can be used for his glory. Yeah. Even our lives, even our safety, right? If God wants me to get sick, I'm going to get sick. Mm-hmm. If he wants me to go through cancer and proclaim his name to the people in the cancer ward, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And that's a hard mindset shift for uh, for us who expect comfort. Yeah, it really is. And and so I think that we don't have a category for it, but... Um you know, and, and I would comment, too, that I think that a lot of, you know, we see all these stats, you know, that like, you know, less and less people are going to church and, and the church is kind of declining. Now, I question some of those stats because 
I wrote an article on this a while back um, about why immigration is good for the church because, um, you know, it's, it's the, most of the people who come to this nation as immigrants have some kind of religious, yeah. you know, background, like, you know, and um, when we talk about church declining, I think we're talking kind of about like, you know, suburbs, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of like middle-class suburbs. Yeah. That's kind of where the decline is at. And, um, but, but when we talk about, you know, maybe some different, you know, ethnic groups who are coming to America, that yeah. these people, many of them are very, very religious and devout, whether it be, you know, Roman Catholicism or, or Pentecostalism or, or, you know, I remember we had a, uh, up in Boston, uh, there was a new congregation of uh, Aromo people from Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and they were solid Lutherans, and they started a church. And, and so that kind of stuff's going on. And then also in the global south, we'd call that, you know, like that'd be southern hemisphere, uh, parts of Asia, Latin America, Africa. Those, those places are booming. Yeah. Like the church is just growing so yeah. fast they can't even Do get pastors. One but, thing that is yeah. real surprising to me in that line is one of the fastest growing churches in the world is in Iran. Yeah. And wow. we have no, you know, we're, we are really, uh, when we say the church in the West is declining, you know, it's like, oh, there goes the whole world. And it's like, not even close. No, it's, we're being very like, like, uh, we're very kind of self-centered, self-centered, <laughs> I guess. We're just like, well, yeah. because the church in America is in decline. Well, yeah, there it goes. There it goes. But yep. no, the whole, we got to think of the whole world. The global church, it's growing and it's, it's growing yeah. and, and, and not, not that it doesn't have its issues, it's, it's complications, but as always happens with growth, but, um, but I think that the the, the shedding of members and, and the the decline in church attendance is really kind of related to people who are nominally Christian already are realizing that there's no social advantage to being part of a church. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have a view of God that says, you know, God is whatever you want him to be. And so you could go to church or not. You could read the Bible or not. It's just kind of there as a helper if you need it, like for weddings, funerals, and, and right. Christmas Important and Easter. ceremonies. Yeah, and, and so in that sense, I'm kind of doubtful about the doom and gloom kind yeah. of. Um, Me too. I just I, think that people are getting more real about. Uh, right, and I, I think two things are happening. First of all, the culture has snapped. It has snapped against the traditional values that came from the Bible that kind of dominated for, for a season of maybe... 60 or 70 years, the culture has shifted radically um, on some of those values. And the church wasn't ready for that, right? So suddenly the church yeah. is kind of the immoral place to be. Yeah, and, and some does. of those values that they that the culture snapped against, I mean, these are values that were rooted in two or three millennia. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, and so now the church becomes the immoral place that right. we are considered to be the tax collectors, sinners. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, fine, whatever. But um, we, we end up, Christianity has to become, I think it will by nature, if it's true to its roots, is going to become more countercultural. Yeah. And it reminds me of that book uh, by Russell Moore called Onward. And in that book, his, the tagline is, uh, keep Christianity weird. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like Portland, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or is that Austin? I don't know. I, well, well, I think both. Same experience. <laughs> they got good donuts, though, in Portland. Naturally. It costs $5, Yeah, though. naturally. Yeah. But, yeah, I think as the culture shifts, the church is going to be more weird. And 
there will be more of a cost culturally to be associated truly with the name of Jesus. Yeah, and as you're associated with the name of Jesus in the Monday through Saturday, too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and we were talking about this before, that, and I've said this before, but I will repeat it, that I have all kinds of respect for people who are Christians in the, in the, the daily trenches of their work, where it's maybe a hostile work environment for a Christian. Uh, and because I've been in those places, you know, I've had jobs, whether it be construction or selling cell phones, that I've been working with people who I loved and respected, but they didn't have any love or respect for Christianity, or they kind of like saw you as a leper, kind of like. Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but I have all kinds of respect for for people who are working their vocations, you know, outside of the church because they have an opportunity to share their faith more than we do. Because sometimes I'll be hanging out with somebody, I'll meet somebody, I'll talk to them, and we're kind of hitting it off, having some good conversation. And then they're like, so what do you do? I'm like, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker. Here it comes, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I say I'm a pastor. And and sometimes there's this awkward silence of like, sorry yeah. that I cursed. They just <laughs> dropped the F-bomb. And, yeah, they like, and I honestly repent. don't really care about that. Yeah, much, you know? I know. But, but like, I don't care if people curse around me. If that's what you do, then I'm just going to try to be a good neighbor to you and listen to you and love you. Um but yeah, people get all kind of weird and guarded sometimes. They can, and when I, you're I in think ministry. we're like Christianity is getting really misunderstood right now, um, and maligned too. So people are a little bit worried to be associated with it. But yeah, yeah, I, I always tell people I'm in wine distribution. <laughs> <laughs> and then that only takes me so far because yeah. like, what do you mean? Um, but yeah, I think. Being associated with the church is is a little bit of a dicey endeavor right now. So if you're going to be, yeah. I'm all in on the church. Like, I'm I'm there every week. I'm like I'm religious. You know, that's a dirty word yeah, for our culture. Kind of, yeah, is. but if you were to say, look, I'm religious and I'm I trust the every word of the Bible. Yeah. Right. And I think Jesus is going to come back anytime. I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're definitely an outlier. Well, but, you know, and I think that we, what we need to be able to say to people, too, is that you're religious, too. Yes. Because you're on that treadmill. Yeah. And, and honestly, all of us are to some extent, that that treadmill is our religion. Like, for, it's like that book, Seculosity, that we're reading with mm-hmm. staff right now um, at Holy Cross. You know, there's the treadmill of parenting, of romance, of technology, of sports, of... Um, even church, yeah, <laughs> where people are trying to prove their enoughness, uh, we would say, well, that's religion too. It's just that it's uh, what David's all calls lowercase r religion. Yeah, it's whatever you're using to satisfy that urge to be enough is yeah. your functionally your religion. The yeah. question is, is it actually going to fulfill? Right. You know, Jesus will. Um, so yeah, that's that's the point of this. so just thinking. Okay, you're out there as a Christian. I think one of the things that you need to be aware of is that suffering if you are suffering as a christian and for the name of christ this is not a mistake and this is not this does not mean that you've lost god's favor right but in fact you are called to some of the televangelists might say that too they might say well if you're a christian you won't suffer right yeah Yeah, but that's not true but yeah i think of that up right the people who you know they they long to love their there are family members who don't, like, you and I have family members that we, we want to be in the church, but they distance from us because of our mm-hmm. vocations. And, yeah, right. But 
that's not this is not out of the bounds of ordinary. It's like no. this is what we're called to as Christians is to be remind holy reminders of God and ho- and the even if it's going to cause some blowback the mission is worth it because ultimately what we're trying to do is let them know that their debt is paid. Yeah, that's, that's real. You're trying to bring people this message that hey, you know, God's not mad at you. Right. <laughs> you know? Like I mean, he he has provided this forgiveness and right. you just enter into it, receive it and uh, and and here's where we need to be careful is that when we suffer as Christians, when we're misunderstood, because we're going to be misunderstood, we're going to be misrepresented, people are going to look at our faith and maybe they're going to look at other experiences of Christianity that have not been super helpful, that have been angry yeah. <laughs> and just kind of judgmental. And then we're going to get you know mixed up with that and people will misrepresent us. One of the things I think we need to be really careful about is not being offended that easily mm-hmm. when we're maligned as Christians. Totally. Because it doesn't help anybody if we get angry and assert our religious freedom. Like, that doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the early Christians were always misunderstood. The Romans accused the early Christians of being cannibals because they ate the body and blood of Christ. Yep. Everybody thought that was weird. Uh, incest, because uh, that Greek your brother or sister with a holy kiss uh-huh. they didn't have a category Scandalous. for that. Scandalous. Yeah. Or then also they were uh, accused of being atheists because right. they didn't have a temple or or idols that they prayed to. Yeah, and they, they actually, their worship was very simple compared to the pagan world around them. Yeah. All these right. elaborate rituals and like mm-hmm. you would go and worship with the Christians and they had a simple liturgy, prayer, readings, yep. bread and wine, and they're like, that's it? That's all yep. I got to do. Time to go. That's get too donuts. easy of a treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, or a baklava maybe back then. Yeah. In Greece. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so we just need to be really careful not to be offended. I mean, we do, for example, as Christians in the public square, we should be concerned about religious freedom. But if we're going to do that as citizens, we need to be cons- uh, concerned for religious freedom for people of all faiths like for our Muslim neighbors and, and, and even our atheist neighbors. Yeah. Because it, it it's not just Christians who get that in this country. It, it's everybody gets that. Right. We, we can't have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we don't need to be the kind of angry people who say, you know, you're just persecuting me because I'm a Christian. That's not going to help anybody. I no. Mean, we want to in be fact, gracious with yeah. some people. And, and in fact, there is, you know, what is amazing about Christ's witness is he does turn his cheek. Yeah. And he does say, Father, forgive them. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, he can he can animate us by his spirit to say, you know what? You might take a shot at my, my pride, my religion, my family, whatever it might be, but I'm okay. I, I have, I'm enough in Christ. And so, yeah. therefore... I'm going to, I'm going to continue to love you. Um, and that's not of this world. And so that's really where the opportunities are, uh, is to turn back with love instead of vengeance or lawsuits or, uh, rhetoric even, you know, yeah. um, arguments. So good. Yeah. I think that's, that's really where we were driving at wrestling with these words of Jesus. You know, sometimes when you find something that you don't like in the Bible, it's good to wrestle even more with it to understand yeah. What is it that I don't like about Jesus calling me to suffer? What does that tell me about myself? Or yeah. maybe what I prioritize or what I even worship? Or my perceptions of Jesus, even my yeah. perceptions of faith. Yeah. Um, and how does that need to be shifted?
like this isn't the South Park Jesus, right? You know, right. He's kind of a he's kind of a hippie. Yeah. You know, it's yeah like, hey guys, right. <laughs> that's not the Jesus we're talking about. We're talking about straight up, hundred yeah. percent Jesus. I mean, he's gonna, on the one hand, he's gonna like hold children in his in his arms and bless them, and then he's gonna go off on the Pharisees and say, you know, woe to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Jesus. It's right? a, it's a truth and grace Jesus, right? Bingo. Yeah. Yep. No messing around. So uh, what's going on next week? So we're continuing in this section of Matthew, and uh, Jesus kind of doubled, <laughs> doubles down. I yeah. was just reading in preparation for that, and yeah, Jesus goes, he hits some nerves. He talks about our families, mm. and he already began that, but he continues to, to press um, into our devotion and our ultimate al- al- allegiance. And so more challenging words from mm-hmm. Jesus, um, but his... His reasoning is sound, <laughs> and yeah. his uh, ultimately his love is his his purpose. I'm gonna just close here with some words as sort of a teaser for next week. But yeah, Jesus kind of goes hard here uh, in Matthew 10:34. He says, "Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother." and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. Wow. Yeah. These are some of the most controversial words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll take them up and uh, try to see them in the right context. Yeah. Um, We'll have fun with that sermon. Let them do work with us. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, we will catch you next time on uh, Every Moment His. Hope you're enjoying these podcasts and that they are edifying for you. Uh, And we'll keep them coming. Grace and peace. Peace.